there's this really famous commencement speech that Steve Jobs gave. And he talks about how when you're in the moment, it's really hard to see how things connect together and they can potentially connect forward in the future. It's only when you're on the other side of it and something's been successful, how it is so obvious and all the dots become connected and joined up together when you're looking back. (laughs) Many times, all of these different things, your different experiences, hobbies, volunteer work, career experiences, many times they all seem disconnected and they may even seem insignificant in the scope of your career. But the threads of your experiences, they can come together to create the person that you are. And when you discover that connection between these threads and you begin acting on it, you can also begin to identify secret strengths that have always been there in your life. When you know what these are, they help you unlock your ideal career. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. There are threads that connect the two. Coaching is an experience that you have with a trained individual. It's a partnership. As a collaborative pianist, it's the same thing. We create an experience through a piece of music together in front of other people, or even just the two of us together. So that thread of experience is what connects the two aspects of my career. That's today's guest, Jennifer Siever-Stokes. She's a career coach who is on the HTYC team, and she's already making a huge impact on people's lives. Jennifer shares how she got to follow the threads in her life and how they led her down the path to her ideal career. Well, I'm thrilled to be a part of the Happen to Your Career coaching team. I assigned myself the title of career happiness coach, and uh, my connections on LinkedIn loved it, so I'm going with it. As a coach, I love working on leadership presence, personal mission, and I consider myself a strengths specialist. The magic happens when someone has a realization of what they really want to do, what lines up with everything they believe in, their values, and their strengths, and they see a way forward. And we strategize to make that forward uh, movement a reality. And that's what's most exciting for me about the coaching experience. That's super cool. And I am obviously a little bit biased, right? Yeah. This is <laughs> this is the type of thing that I love to do. Yeah, I got the pleasure of uh, of having many conversations leading up to uh, leading up to where we got to work with you and bring you on board and we've had quite a few conversations since then and it's been a pleasure to have you on the team to put it mildly. And I really am Wanting to dive a little bit into where this all started for you, because I actually don't totally know all of the story. So let's go way back for just a couple of minutes here. Where where did your career start out? Well, Scott, it started out in elementary school. <laughs> I had been begging my mother to let me take piano. My older sister was taking piano lessons, and I just couldn't stay away from the piano. So I finally got to start taking lessons, and I really started getting paid. 
as a, an accompanist. By the time I was in middle school or junior high, I was playing for a lot of people. And if you want to kind of look at that role, I was always supporting. I was always guiding. I was always being that partner, that collaborative partner in performance and learning um, all those great things. When I was at Northwestern doing my bachelor's degree in music, interestingly, in preparation for this uh, podcast, I remember my piano professor seeking me out to sit down and have a conversation about whether he should take on the department chair position started to click in my mind that people were continually seeking me out to discuss career moves, professional moves, or or what they might do with their lives. That continued into my role as a collaborative pianist in the Indianapolis area and an ad- adjunct faculty member at IUPUI in Indianapolis as a church musician and someone that supported individuals of all professional and pre-professional levels in auditions, recitals, and concerts. So I want to come back to <laughs> the people seeking you out here in just a minute, because that's fascinating. And it's, it's interesting when you look backwards to be able to see a lot of those threads that may not have been obvious that were there at the beginning. However, I'm curious, what prompted you to continue to carry on down that path initially? Because it sounds like it was embedded pretty early. You you begged your mom in <laughs> in elementary school to be able to participate in that way. And then later on, you started getting paid pretty early on. And I got to tell you that usually when we're having people on the podcast and they say something like, well, it all started in elementary school, <laughs> that's usually just a joke. But in your case, it's a reality. So, <laughs> And you even started earning money at it pretty darn early. So there's a really distinct pattern there. But at some point, you know, you moved out of moved out of elementary school and then middle school. And what what made you decide at that point in time in your life that this is something I want to continue on? This is a path that I want to keep going down at the present moment. A part of that musician's journey is having a weekly one-on-one lesson or scheduled time with a master musician. And you might say, well, it was all about music. No, it wasn't. Because as a musician, you bring your whole self to every public performance and you train yourself. When I think about uh, kind of a buzzword that's out there, bring your whole self to work, musicians do that all the time. And if they don't, it's not a good outcome. So really being trained through this one-on-one relationship with a master musician, when I got you know into the real world, as it were, I started meeting people that had never had that experience. They never had that one-on-one space with uh, not just a mentor, but someone that was interested in all aspects of their life and their health and their their ability to perform with uh, everything they have in any situation. So coaching became that avenue for me to share that experience and bring that to people that may not have had that in any portion of their professional or pre-professional lives. So when you were back in elementary school and back in middle school, you were actively involved in music and 
then you carried on that path. But once you got out of middle school and high school, what caused you to continue on in that trajectory? I'm going to digress to one pivotal experience in elementary school, if I may. Yeah, Our please. school went to hear the Cleveland Orchestra. That was a thing in Cleveland. In elementary school, you got to go and hear the Cleveland Orchestra, which is one of the finest orchestras in the world. I remember sitting down, and I don't remember anything else. It was the most impactful, amazing, inspirational experience of my life. And always through that point, after that point, it was the experience that drew me in and the love of music. So when I went to Northwestern, it was like, I want this experience. I want to be in a community of musicians that share this desire to make music together and this shared space between music and others. There's just this joy that I actually really can't explain. Even when someone else is playing, I feel like I'm playing at some level. And really, when I think about the way I've crafted my career, I've always been driven by my passion. I've always had a deep understanding of what floats my boat, what gives me joy, what inspires me. And that's been my guiding force. Music was that path, and I went on to get a master's in music, and it was always the passion of making music with others. That's really interesting. I'm really curious what or where do you think that that came from, that you said, I've always I've always had that to some degree, that understanding of what floats your boat, what your passion is, or that driving force around your passion. And I think that not that everybody doesn't have it, but we as many human beings have a tendency to be really very good at ignoring it. So what do you think caused you to pay attention to it more in a different way than normal? Because getting to know you, I think that's what part of what makes you a great coach today is you pay attention to that in a completely different way than the average person does. Where do you think that came from? That's a great question, Scott. My father was on the front end of positive psychology. And I read every positive psychology from Dale Carnegie, Norm Vincent Peale, Stephen Covey, all of those great authors of that time period. Even a great book my father had called The Magic of Thinking Big. So I was grown up, I grew up in an environment that was follow your dream. And I saw my father do it. I saw my father do it. So it was always follow your dream and what is needed will be provided. And that it was okay for me to do that. It was okay for me to pursue that and dig into that 100%. That is, <laughs> I'm getting chills because it, it resonates with me so highly on so many different levels. But one example of that and that's so cool, by the way, and you know, struggling for words a little bit, but I think that's so amazing that you got the opportunity to grow up in that environment. And one of the reasons why I created this podcast and one of the reasons why I created the company happened to your career too, is because I really wanted to have my children be able to see me as a role model or to see that other people can 
do that exact type of thing that they can follow their dreams and be successful. So, so it, on one end, it makes me feel so good to uh, <laughs> to know that there's absolutely hope for for that because uh, you're proof positive, and I think that's so cool. And then on the other side too, I'm really curious about what other impacts you saw by having the opportunity to grow up in that environment? Because not everybody does. That is also a good question. It's not to say my parents didn't question, how is she going to (laughs) live? But there was an emphasis on mission. And one of the most rewarding parts of the coaching that I do, whether I call it that or not, is helping an individual identify what is theirs to do. You know, we go through all this um, internal work about what I want, what I want, what I want. Great work. At the end of the day, what is mine to do? And that's been a turning point for me. And I know that I was being led there uh, early in my life. Actually, if it's appropriate, I'll, I'll share my mission statement, which is to nurture, inspire, and express creativity through music and the coaching practice. And that's this uh, way that those two things have come together in the career that I've chosen now and the career I continue to have as a musician. That's very cool. And what prompted you then? We've talked a little bit about your, your career as a musician. What we haven't talked about necessarily is what were some of the events that led you down the road? Because we can see looking backwards relatively easily that, uh, <laughs> that you're in a great fit career for you now these days. However, I'm really curious what was happening during your transition, during during your journey that gave you some of those cues to find your way over here and caused you to make some of those decisions. What what took place in between then and now? Well, a couple things. I have a, a specific superpower. I'm an extraordinarily good sight reader. So I was always asked to do kind of last minute things or to learn things quickly. And as a musician, you know, okay, let's do this. And as I went along, I got burned out. Honestly, I got burned out on churning things out and my performance wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. So I looked for something that had the same potential for a meaningful energetic space between people, but wasn't so draining, you know, where my performance had to be perfection. I'm not sure if that's answering your question, but, and at the same time, I had a little health crisis that I needed to recover from. And that occurred just after I started coach training. And I was able to use that coach training knowledge and experience and and information to really help me move through that recovery process. And I'll be forever grateful that I happen to have had that training right before I faced that um, health crisis. That sounds, I know you're interested in positive psychology and there's also this concept buried within positive psychology that Martin Seligman had talked about. I don't know if he came up with this necessarily, but the idea of post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress which is the idea that you know when you have different types of trauma or you know loosely using the word trauma here however when you have those potentially traumatic situations those can actually be tremendous opportunities for growth or they can mm-hmm. be the opposite which is where you know post traumatic stress syndrome 
and other derivatives have a tendency to come from. And that's what people have heard of more frequently as opposed to that post-traumatic mm-hmm. growth. So what do you think allowed you in this case to start recognizing, hey, this this really can be something that I can use as you were receiving that training and and caused you to move further down the road saying that I <laughs> I want to move from the world of music into the mm-hmm. world of coaching. There are threads that connect the two. Coaching is an experience that you have with a trained individual. It's a partnership. As a collaborative pianist, it's the same thing. We create an experience through a piece of music together in front of other people, or even just the two of us together. So that thread of experience is what connects the two aspects of my career. The teaching part of my career as a pianist, as a musician, was also very much connected to some aspects of the coaching. So there's not, the coaching is a broader uh, contribution in a more personalized way that expands outward. So as a coaching client steps into who they are and what they're here to do, it doesn't just affect them. It affects everyone around them. And that's equally as powerful. Was there any other reinforcing events. A lot of times you and I both know that, you know, maybe sometime, a small percentage of the time, there's this epiphany and then people follow it all the way through to the final, final steps and, you know, become this particular uh, person or, you know, take up this particular occupation and it works out wonderfully. However, that's not Mm -hmm. the way it happens for almost everybody. Instead, it's usually those threads like you're talking about earlier. So, you know, were there any particular moments that you remember where it helped solidify or reinforce you moving down this path? Because I can definitely see the similarities to what you're talking about in terms of how you interacted with the music world as a collaborative pianist and coaching, like we're talking about now. Does anything stand out in your mind in terms of those events? Well, I have always had a very deep spiritual side. And that spiritual side served me well as a musician to understand the spiritual impact of music and empathy and all of the emotions around it. And I would say that in my journey as a coach, I am able to see the truth of who someone is, their strengths, their beauty, their potential. And in the partnership of coaching, we kind of move towards our own, I would say, even divine potential as we explore what we're here to do and what's ours to do and what we want to do. So it's a continuous evolving and asking what's wanting to emerge at the same time. That's where we create that space where someone can say, boy, I hadn't thought of that, but that resonates with all these other things we've been discussing. That's that emergence of a new thought or idea or a path forward. When you think about where you're at now, you started to describe some of the obvious things (laughs) looking backwards earlier. And I'm curious, why does it make so much sense in your mind now? that this is where you should be? I can tell you how it feels. I am in the age of wisdom. Take that for what it might be. But I feel like a millennial. I feel like I'm at the front end of a new career, honestly. And I don't know where it's going to go. 
I learn so much every day from my clients and from my trainings and things like that. I don't ever believe that retirement's a word that will have any meaning to me because this is the path I started long ago and it's continuing to go forward in, in all these different directions. It's kind of an open, broad statement, Scott, but that's how I feel about it today. Yeah. Let's talk about that for just a second, because I feel very strongly the same way. This idea of retirement, not necessarily meaning something to you (laughs) or me for that matter. Why is that for you? Tell me about what, uh, what you mean when you say that. You know, one of the the tenets of coaching for me is that commitment to contribute. We call it commit to contribute. And if I'm still breathing, I'm still contributing and I'm still learning. And I plan to do that actually envisioning exercises. I see that on that, you know, if it were to be that last breath, I know that I have contributed and been fully present in my life throughout. It's really (laughs) this idea of contributing. It's come up a couple of different times on the podcast. Dan Pink actually had mentioned the same idea of contributing, and he was talking about it in terms of, at the time, the context was the idea of passion is focused on you and the idea of contribution is focused on someone else, which in many ways can be linked back to passion still and can still be fulfilling or meaningful or purposeful in a lot of different ways. But this idea of contribution is a really, really interesting one. And I think it's a it's a driving force for a lot of what it sounds like you want, but also what I want out of of life. And also, I think what a lot of our <laughs> listeners want too. You know, if listening to this right now also makes sense when you say that in relation to, I don't, you know, it doesn't sound like you perceive retirement <laughs> giving you that, that contribution in that same way. It sounds like that would be like, I don't know, whatever the opposite <laughs> of great would be in some way or another. Yeah. So it's interesting that you bring up the compassion and the contribution piece, Scott, because my belief is you only receive what you've given. So when you give with compassion, what you receive back is fuel for your passion. In other words, it's circular. I always believe everything's circular. But that energy of a circular giving and receiving is the energy of life for me. So what do you anticipate doing instead of Instead of retirement, what do you envision that that looks like right now? I understand some of your thoughts and philosophy on it, and I have a tendency to agree with a whole bunch of that. What do you think that that might look like for you? This is not a question that I anticipated asking, but it's it's such an interesting concept because we think so much about our next step as opposed to you know, maybe quite a way Yeah, so Scott, as you asked me that, the first answer that comes to mind is delegate. I don't plan to retire or remove myself or disengage from anything. I want to delegate all the stuff that I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but oh boy, would I love a driver. You know, <laughs> I love to travel. I love to go places. I have zero ability to navigate myself, even with uh, Google Maps. So I would just love to have someone drive or have everything planned out for me so that I can be present in the moment, delegating a whole bunch of things. That's probably ideal for me as I move forward, 
And that's really at the service of being more present for the people that I am with. That's a, I don't think that sounds crazy at all, actually. <laughs> so I've gone to such lengths to you know, evaluate, like, where does it make sense for someone to begin to hire a driver? And when you actually put the math to it, in terms of salary, it makes way lower sense than what most people would think about. I think a lot of people would think, well, I probably need to be earning three, four, five hundred thousand dollars or something before I'd hire a driver. Uh, however, it's really interesting, especially as a business owner or as somebody who might be able to influence income, like if you've got you know a whole bunch of your compensation tied to bonuses mm-hmm. or performance incentives, or that would be another scenario too. And it's actually not that expensive when you're looking at it that way in terms Mm -hmm. of utilizing your time differently and being able to focus in those areas where you're having more fun and uh, are much more of your sweet spots, which I know that you're a huge fan of too. Plus, here's something that's really, really interesting. And you may have already seen some of these things since you're really interested in positive psychology. But the studies that are out there indicate that those people who have created more time freedom for themselves are generally happier on a moment to moment type situation. You know, happiness is not a destination. You don't get to happiness and then you're happy forever. You know, people still experience problems and and everything else that goes along with it. But if you ask them at any given point throughout the day, on any given day, those people have a tendency to feel mm-hmm. happier and they're more productive too. Crazy, right? Not so crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I understand. I, mean, I will I understand. spend hours on any technology, implementing and integrating any technology that will save me time over the long haul or as a delegating feature. Anything I can delegate to a technology, I'm all over it. So that's part of my process. I, I love it. Okay. So you and I, as we approach, would normally be considered retirement for <laughs> the average person are going to get together and talk about time freedom as it ends and do more of those things that we want to do and focus more on delegating those areas that we don't want to do. That's super cool. I love that as a, both a goal and an aspiration. Plus, it's it's really much more realistic than I think what most people might think when they initially mm-hmm. hear that that concept, that idea. Yeah, it seems like in the early parts of our careers and our trainings, we were gathering all this information and storing it and make use of it. And, you know, not that we're that far along in our lives and careers, but now is the time where we're assimilating a mass of information and experiences, much of which has been gathered through the incredible expansion of the digital world. And so at this point, it's also delegating our thoughts to certain things that we can just look up and pulling out the things that are true and grounded and universal principles and ancient wisdom and applying it to life intentionally. How have you been able to do that? I think that that is really very, very astounding in terms of a a thinking about it as a concept. Where have you seen that that has really, really helped with the philosophy well, for you? I went on a little bit of a book reading binge, <laughs> and all the authors had written their books in the 1929 to 39 range. Think and Grow Rich, Three Magic Words, and yeah. 
I can't remember the third one right now. But boy, the details and the things in those books are similar. Oh, yeah, probably Ernest Holmes' Science of Mind. But the details in those books were new at the time, but they heralded back to ancient wisdom. And they actually prepared us for what we're going through now, especially Think and Grow Rich. It's just been one of those things when you go back and say, oh, my gosh, here we are. And then how that relates. Uh, That's maybe a little off topic. but. I'm always willing to go back and then see there's nothing new under the sun. Someone has just packaged it new and fresh and differently. I really like the idea of being able to build on the wisdom of those people who came before you too. And I think that idea of you going back and being able to learn from that and take those things that have essentially been repackaged many times over in one way or another, I think that's Mm -hmm. really strategic. Yes. And as coaching, it's expanding in both directions, actually. In other words, it's expanding in its availability to more and more people and their knowledge of it. But it was a great part of uh, humanity throughout. It's a great part of the whole hero's journey, which I'm, you know, a big fan of the whole hero's journey of Joseph Campbell, how he pulled out all those ancient stories to see common patterns. Maybe we are the Obi-Wan Kenobis, (laughs) encouraging, supporting, and saying, you have the force within you. I'm not going to give you the answers, but I'm here to help you discover them. So I think that uh, coaching has been always there. It's now a little bit repackaged and it's available and it is having a huge impact on our world. Tell me about strengths, because that's something that (laughs) you and I have had numerous conversations about, (laughs) to to put it mildly. And every single time it comes up, in any capacity, then I feel like there's the risk for you and I to spend a good seven, eight hours on it. Because that's definitely something that we have as a a huge common interest. And I know it's something that you're passionate about too, and have really leveraged in your own life. But talk to me a little bit about why you are such an advocate of really understanding and living in in your strengths for yourself and the people that you get to work with. If we go back to the beginning of this story, where I exhibited a unique, wonderful, amazing talent as a musician early on, I had that talent name associated with me. When I was introduced to Clifton Strengths through the coaching, my world kind of turned upside down because talent was defined differently. A talent, when it was invested in, became a strength. I believe that as a pianist, I was using my strengths but didn't know it. And that strengths were the universal internal talent that we came into this world with. But it was how we invested in it and how we continued to invest it intentionally. I always like to say, what are you doing today to activate your strength and invest in your strength? I don't see it as a tool to drive you to a specific career. I do see it as the core elements of your operating system, the way you function, the way you function best, the environment that's best for you, the type of work, the balance of work, the space between working and not working, and how you show up. 
Marshall Goldsmith said at the very highest levels of executive work, executive leadership, the problems are all behavioral. <laughs> so that confirmed in me that the investment in your strengths, understanding their contributions, their needs, what triggers them, and what are overuse patterns is essential to our personal and professional growth. Let's go back to something that you said a little bit earlier. You said that I don't see strengths necessarily as a tool to, I can't remember what word you use, but you know, a tool linked mm-hmm. immediately to occupations is what it made me think of or to, you know, profession. And the way that I took what you were talking about was that just because you have certain strength set does not automatically mean that you should be in this profession versus that profession. So tell, tell me a little bit about what you meant by that. And then okay. why well, are you talking um, about that in that way? Probably the easiest thing for me to do, do would be to use music. So let's be honest. If I had had more discipline, if I had had maybe more consistency or more of an achiever driving force um, in my strengths profile, maybe I would have been a, a concert pianist playing solo recitals. But I'm a collaborative pianist, so I love the energy of the moment. And that's where my strengths and my skills as a musician come together. I hated, I hated sitting alone in a practice room. And so I wasn't very disciplined. But when I could be with other people, I was, I was a lot happier and it was more meaningful to me. So if you just take the idea of musician or you take the idea of lawyer or a project manager, in other words, all project managers might have completely different strengths profiles and they do it in their own way. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what makes them a good project manager in one organization and maybe not a good fit for another organization. There's so many factors. So you take what you're naturally drawn to and leverage your strengths to contribute the, to your greatest potential. Is that helpful? Yeah. And what I'm taking away from that is that <laughs> you can have a set of strengths. And keep in mind, when you and I are talking about strengths, we're talking about what are those those deeper level talents that are that are nurtured over time through experience and also you know the way that you're wired too but all of those things on the deeper level not necessarily the skills a lot of times when i mention strengths or someone mentions strengths on the podcast they're talking about skills like i'm really great at communication or i'm really great at talking to people or you know conversations or something like that but when we're talking about those deeper level strengths then it sounds like what you mean is that we're able to, you know, we're able to have people with the same type of strength sets be mm-hmm. successful in different roles because of those strengths uh, reasons. And they may be ex- successful in different ways compared to the next person who is also successful in the same type of role, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. Yeah, it really is to thine own self be true. In other words, in the situation you find you're in, realize how it doesn't align with the way you naturally and easily operate. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be in that profession, but it may not be the right role in that profession. Um, Sometimes people ask about HR. You know, I want to go into HR. Well, 
but I don't want to do this. Well, you know what? HR is this expansive area, right? And there's aspects of it that you're really going to resonate with and aspects you're not. So that's where you fine tune according to your strengths. Absolutely. And (laughs) I worked in HR for a lot of years, primarily in HR leadership, and I despised policy, really just despised policy. You know, I love the idea of thinking about policy and the impacts on behaviors and things like that, but I hated creating uh, policy and proofreading and, you know, creating things like employee handbooks. And Fortunately, I was in a lot of different roles that allowed me to focus on other areas of HR, like coaching (laughs) leaders. There's a shock. That was an area that I gravitated towards. But here's my question after listening to all of that. You know, there's a lot of people that are in the place where you were when you were, you know, thinking about transitioning from music and the music industry and music world into something else. And a lot of our listeners right now, this very second, are thinking about that type of transition. What what advice would you give them when they're in that place? Give yourself permission to create your career, to be on the front end of creating your career and it not being linear, opening up your mind to possibilities. And at the same time, Be open to stepping sideways. Take every transferable skill with you. You can't keep yourself from doing that, right? Identify your transferable skills and see how they are easy, needed contributions in that next career step that you want to take. And be confident in in that from your gut, from your gut. And that's where coaching comes in, helping you just get down to the core, uh, the five whys, whatever method you want to use of why you're doing this and what is the vision you have. What's the John Gottman in the seven habits of successful marriages said the source of all true arguments is unrequited dreams. And at the end of the day, if there's a dream that has not been fulfilled for you, get on it and move towards it over time. It doesn't have to be a huge leap, but begin moving towards it with confidence and and vulnerability. I really appreciate you going into that detail. And I appreciate the opportunity to get to work with you on a daily basis now. And thanks for making the time and coming on and sharing your both your journey as well as some advice that people can take and use right now, because many people are in that space where they are thinking about making a transition. And this idea of giving yourself permission is so incredibly important when you're there, when you're thinking about making any kind of change, small or large in your career, especially if your focus is wanting to be more in your strengths on a day-to-day basis and if your focus is more on on contribution and happiness and many of the other pieces that we've talked about today. So thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Scott. Great to work with you. To find out more about Jennifer, you can always head over to happentoyourcareer.com. And by the way, in our signature coaching program, you could actually be able to work with Jennifer, which we're accepting applications for signature coaching right now until this Friday. There's just a limited number of spots available, only 18 spots in total. And I think we've already got some of those filled right this very second. The easiest way to get started, if you're wondering how we can help and whether signature coaching is right for you, 
just send me an email, scott at happentoyourcrew.com with conversation in the subject line because I will put you in touch with our director of student and client success on our team who will have a conversation with you and understand your situation and we'll figure out what is the very best type of help that we can offer. If you loved this episode's topic about figuring out your strengths and being able to utilize them in the real world, specifically your signature strengths, well, guess what? Next week, we're going to be sharing with you a series on using your strengths to get hired. Make sure if you haven't already that you're subscribed to the podcast so that it shows up in your sleep and you don't have to do anything. It downloads automatically. And then also share this with someone else that can use the help as well. We'll talk to you later. Until next week, I am out. Adios. Adios.